ahead and turn over with me to Acts chapter 25. Um, uh, as obviously we don't have um, some of the things that we normally have. Uh, but look, we know that the Lord has a purpose and a plan in all things um, to accomplish His will. And I'm thankful for that. Um, but as we have been in the book of Acts, and as we, we are closing it out here soon, we'll, we'll finish it right before Easter, um, Lord willing. Um, and, and, and I think that's an awesome time to end it because... Going into Easter, that is what sparks everything that happens in the book of Acts, right? We can go and get on Sunday or Easter morning, and we can wake up, we can come to church and realize, hey, I know what happens because He lives. Amen? I know what happens because He raises up on that third day, because He's alive and well, because they went and looked for Him in place of the dead, but He was not there. And I'm thankful for that. And we can see that here in the book of Acts. Even as we go through this portion of Paul's life that is just trial after trial, going before person after person, pleading his case. We see that here, that God, because he lives, Paul goes through this, but there is a benefit, there is a reason Paul goes through this. Amen. Um, We'll read here in Acts chapter 25, verses 1 through 8. Um, So just follow along with us. It says, Now three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. And the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul. And they urged him, asking as a favor against Paul, that he summoned him to Jerusalem because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So, he said, let the men of authority among you go down with me. And if there is anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. And after he stayed among them uh, not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. When he had arrived, the Jews who had come down with, uh, who had come down from Jerusalem, stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Paul argued in his defense, neither against the law of the Jew nor against the temple nor against Caesar, have I committed any offense. So that's all the reading that we'll have. We'll go. We'll flesh out some of what happens after this um, here in a moment. Um, but I want to title this morning's uh, sermon here. Here we go again. Here we go again. I want us to, uh, for a moment, put ourselves in Paul's shoes. We understand, according to the, second, the, the chapter that we just finished off before, um, is that Paul had went down and he was under Felix at the time, who was the governor over uh, this territory during that period. And, and for two years he, he sat in house arrest under Felix. Uh, Felix would bring him forward to him. We don't know how often. It could have been weekly, could have been monthly. But very readily and regularly, he was brought before Felix to talk about these things, to tell about his life, tell about what had happened, to go over and rehash things that again and, and again the Bible says that there came a time where Felix went out of the governorship and then Festus came into him. And Festus goes down to Jerusalem as he's new to the area, new, new to the governorship, and traveling around to the different uh, provinces in the territory and getting to know the leaders and things and, and uh, the, the leaders of the Jewish people. Uh, the leaders of the court, leaders of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they came before Festus. After two years, they still have somewhat against Paul, right? They still have this, this venom, this anger, this bitterness, this frustration towards him. That it seems like one of the first things that they ask him, out of all the things that they're overseeing, they're overseeing these people in Jerusalem, no doubt there's hungry there, there's people that are struggling there. One of the first things they do is they bring up Paul, say, hey, why don't you bring him down here? We want to we wanna see him with evil intentions in their heart and in their mind. Fist says, no, let's go back. He says, I'm heading that way anyway. Um, he says, you follow me. 
and we'll get there, and then we'll see what, what happens at that extent. Now, Paul doesn't know any of these things are happening, right? But just no doubt one day he woke up, and there was a guard. And the guard said, hey, we're going to the palace. We're going to whatever it may be that they they met. No doubt Paul was like, here we go again. Going to talk to some leader that can do something about it, but we'll see what happens. And he goes, and he comes in the door, and who, who does he see? He sees those leaders that really don't like him. And no doubt he thought, here we go again. They're still after me. They still hate me. They still despise me. This problem still hasn't went away yet. It's not just faded away with time. It's still there. Still dealing with it. And then they bring up the charges. It says serious charges of great consequence. They couldn't prove it, but they was serious charges. No doubt he's thinking, here we go again. The same thing again. They're saying the same things about me. They're bringing the same lack of evidence against me. They're pleading the same case that they did to Felix two years ago and to every to the Sanhedrin and to the guard, the one over the guard in Jerusalem. They, they're pleading the same thing again. And then here is, is uh, Festus. We know that Festus doesn't release him. Festus goes on and he says, Well, Paul, why, why do, I don't really see anything wrong here. You don't. There's nothing that you're really guilty of. Why don't we just go back to Jerusalem and we'll try your case there in front of the Jews because the Bible says that he wanted to make friends with them, right? He said, Let's go back to Jerusalem and we'll try his case there. And we understand that Paul says, He says, Man, you and I both know there ain't nothing wrong with what I've done. I've not done anything against the Jews, against the Romans, against Caesar, and against God. He says, I plead my case to Caesar. Which basically, if you want a parallel, he's going to the Supreme Court. That's, that's the parallel of what he's doing. It's the last, the highest court in the land was Caesar. And you know that thinking, here I am and I've pleaded my innocence. And the, my judge has said I'm innocent. And here we go again. He's saying that I can't go free. And sometimes life seems repetitive. And sometimes it seems like the same bad things happen over and over again. Why do I still struggle with this? Why am I still fighting this battle? Why does this relationship just not ever work out? Why does my plans never come to fruition? Why does it always seem like it's my car that breaks down, my house that has problems, my health that's falling apart? Why is it again and again and again? Here we go again. No doubt Paul had and some of those things crosses my here. Here we go again. But just as much as life and the troubles and the attacks of the enemy are consistent, we too as followers and believers of Christ should be consistent in several areas as well. Amen. Consistent just means to, to do it again, basically. If you want to simplify it down to its core thing, it's to do the same thing over and be and to do it readily and do it even when we're against the wall, even when it's difficult, to be consistent. And as Christians, we should be we should have some consistency in our character. Some consistencies in our character. Look at Paul, and so not even what he says, look at how he acts in this moment. With, with this going on again, man, I know in my own life, in my own self, that the amount of frustration, the amount of anger, the amount of bitterness that would wash over me to walk, not just walk, to be led into that room, not of my own volition or my own desire, to be led into that room and to see the Jewish elect, the Jewish leaders of the Sanhedrin court there again, knowing good and way, they didn't come to make amends. 
They weren't there because they were sorry for what they did. He knew they're here because they want my head. And to walk in there, the amount of aggravation, frustration, just this anger that he no doubt could have had. Yet we see in his actions, does he attack? Does he go after them? Does he get so angry and frustrated that he lashes out to try to get to them? That is not what we see. We see a man that even after two years of going through this dog and pony show is calm and collected and in control of what he's doing. He speaks well. He acts well. And his character of who he is as Paul is, has not been changed. He is consistent even though things are just going over and the same and the same again. And it seems like it's not, he's not going to break in his favor. He's not going to be able to get through this. He's not going to be able to, to find any kind of alleviation from this, this painful and this awful situation. He remains the same person and the same character as he was. No doubt many of us in this same situation would have been trying to find any way to make some compromise to get out. Would have found some way to to just beg and plead for our own freedom, to have to to just leave everything that who we were behind and say, I just need out of this situation. I'm tired of going through it again and again. Many of us would have acted that way, thrown our scruples to the wall and just said, whatever, I can't live this way anymore. Others of us would have just given up hope. Would have just said, fooey with all of it. I would rather die than to have to go through this same thing again and again. And they would have just shown anger and frustration. Some of us would have lashed out. Some of us would have tried to break free and just to attack those, the, the, those people of the Jewish, um, of the Sanhedrin court and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Some of us would have just spit at Festus and say, man, you don't know what you're talking about. Our character would have changed after being through this same thing over and over again. But yet Paul is consistent in who he is. It is consistent in his character. So many times in Scripture we are given the illustration as a, as a walk with Christ, as a relationship with Christ is, is that of some kind of fruit-bearing tree or some kind of plant that is planted in the ground and blossoms up and, and, and provides fruit and provides vegetables, provides some kind of sustenance. And it talks about the fruits of the Spirit and things of that nature. And, and we all, even if we're not some kind of horticulturist or some kind of farmer, we understand that if you go one day to a tomato plant and you pick a tomato, you go back the next day, what are you going to pick? You're going to pick... A tomato, right? It's not like overnight that that tomato plant turned into a strawberry plant. You're going to pick the same thing no matter what day it is. If it's raining, if it's sunny, if it's been a drought, if it's been... It's still going to be that type of plant. And we see that in Paul's life. And man, could you imagine these Jewish leaders? They think, oh man, he's been, he's been in prison for two years. He's had to go through this for two years. Surely he's ready to break. Surely he's going to give up. Surely he'll say something. He'll slip up. He'll do something that he shouldn't do. His character will be different. He will have changed by now. Let's go again. Let's press him again. Let's push at his life one more time. Surely he's about to give in. And yet Paul is, is the same. I want to be so consistent that when the enemy looks at me and he sends every attack against me and that I remain the same, that he questions and he's confused, how can he still be this way? After all that I sinned. How can he still praise the Lord. After I've attacked his life. And his family. And his well being. And everything that he has. How can he remain the same. Just as Job. As, a, as the enemy takes his family. And he takes his herds. And he takes his crops. And he takes everything that he has. And, and his wife says. Why don't you just curse God and die. And he says. You speak as a foolish woman. 
I want to cause the enemy to be confused. How can he remain the same? How can he be consistent in his worship? How can he be consistent in his faith walk? How can he be consistent in his character even after all that I have sinned against him? That the world around us just looks and is bewildered. That how can they still be faithful to Jesus Christ even though everything has not went their way? Everything's went against them. And everything that could go wrong has went wrong. How are they still the same person that loves God, that follows Him, that speaks the truth of Him, and that will live a life that is pleasing to Him? That is what it means to be consistent in character. But we should also be consistent in our witness. Does anything that Paul says in this moment, is it different from what he, he said before? Is it different from what he had already told them the last time? Is it different from what he said when they first got him down in the temple? Was it when they first brought him in and the, and the uh, Jewish guard has talked to him? Is it different than the first time he went before Felix or any of the umpteenth times that he went before Felix after that? No. He says the same thing. He says, I have done nothing against God or the Jews or against Caesar. He says, I am guiltless. If you look at 24, he says about the same thing. He says, why are we here? I've done nothing against any of these people. His message remains the same. And as we look at, at the life that he lives and the testimony that he gives and in each, each place that he gives his defense, he is constantly referring back to Jesus Christ, to the gospel message, and he, he stays the same. He has and holds to the same message, the same witness of who God is. He does not waver in his understanding that God is in control, and he does not waver in his message in that. We oftentimes, <coughs> when we are going through life and are in contact with other people, I pray that at your desire is that you witness to those that are around you, that you give testimony of, of who God is in your life, of what He has done, of how He has worked, of the gospel message, and that you are consistent in that. We as Christians should not one day praise the Lord for all He's done and the next day curse Him for not showing up. We should not give Him glory for being God on high and then the next day question Him because He's not done what we want Him to do. That should not be our testimony of who God is. Our testimony of who He is should remain the same. If not, it should grow. It should become greater. It should become more abundant that we are speaking of His goodness and of His glory and of His grace. I want us to think about many times in life we go to witness to people that are lost, that are not in church, that are far from God, that do not have a relationship with Him. And, and we try to speak truth to them. We try to speak some clarity into the character and the being of God. To reveal to them the gospel message, the needfulness that they have of being saved, of knowing Him. And, and we go and we give our witness and, and it feels like we are <coughs> do just so little. Man, it feels like it doesn't go anywhere. It feels like no walls are broken. No progress is made. No growth can be found. And we go <coughs> again. And we, we do it. Again. And the enemy would convince us that there's no hope in talking to that person. That there's no hope 
in sharing your testimony. No reason to speak of the glory of God. No purpose in telling the truth. Nothing good comes of it. Nothing ever changes. And it's very easy for us to stop being consistent in our witness. To stop telling the truth. To stop speaking of God. To stop bringing it up. To stop having those conversations because it feels like I've done so little. How can it ever change? But the reality is, is that with the consistency that we have, as Paul had, that every time he was brought before Felix, and every time he was brought before Festus, and we'll see he goes before Agrippa, and we know that he goes before Caesar, every time he went before somebody else, he was consistent. And though for some, it may not have seemed to have done much. And though the Jewish people there that were at the court that day probably thought this is just foolish. He's not going to get anywhere. He's not going to change anything. Why doesn't he just say something else? Why doesn't he just do something different? Why doesn't he just change? Because doesn't he realize nothing's changed yet? It won't ever change. Doesn't he realize these are the Romans? These are the Romans that rule most of the known world. They're never going to bend. They're never going to do anything different. They're never going to see it his way. They don't care about us. As long as we stay quiet, they'll be fine with us. Doesn't he realize that there's no sense in him continuing to talk about this, to speak about this, to say anything of this nature? Why is he so consistent? Why does he keep saying these things? Why is his message not changed even though everything has changed around him? Why is his message not changed even though nothing has went his way? Why does he remain the same? Because Paul realized that a Christian walk is a consistent walk. Amen. A faith in a relationship with Christ is one that is consistent. It's one that will go the extra mile and then go again. It's one that's not shaken by what goes on around us. It remains the same. And though, if I wanted to, I could stay here. And we could do this for however long. It might take an hour. It might take more. But with consistency, I will be able to take this and feel this. But it takes consistency. This is just my little cup. This might be all that I can do, but it's what I can do. And if I consistently do it, it will fill this up. Because God is full. And He cannot be empty. I can empty this picture, but God cannot be empty. And I can take my little bit, and if I'm consistent, I can fill an ocean with it. But I have to be consistent with the little that I can do. But God can do great if I'm just consistent with my little. If I'm consistent with my witness, then yes. Bible says that we consistent. We go to Him again and again. We see illustrations. I love the one where it says, uh, I think it's talking about Solomon. Uh, or an illustration that he's given where there was the woman that had the need and she goes to the judge's house early in the morning, day in and day out, and he wants he's planning on ruling against it, right, to go the other way. But she is consistent in her pleas and thus changes the mind of that judge. With consistency, we might feel that we are little, but we can do much when we are consistent. Amen. Amen. <coughs> we oftentimes think about faith as and we think about the working of the Holy Spirit and we think about the moving of the Holy Spirit as this big mighty wave that comes in once every now and then and does a great mighty thing and then we just have to live off of the, 
the, top, the, the, little, the little rings that come after that for so however so long until the next wave comes. That's a bad narrative to have about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in a consistent way, day in and day out. Our witness should be the same day in and day out. We should be consistent in our witness of who God is. Now the Jewish people here that came to the court that day know that they told when they went home. May have questioned. How can, man, how can how can Paul be this consistent? How can he remain the same even in the midst of all this? How can he continue to do this over and over and over again? He's been in prison. He's done. It's just not been good for him. And the reality is we can find consistency. And we can be consistent because there is consistency in God. There is consistency in God. Hebrews 13.8 tells us and reminds us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That He is unchanging, unmoving, unshakable. That He is who He is and He will always be that. That He is consistent in nature. We can look to His example. Look at the example of Jesus Christ as He walked upon this earth. No matter what age He was, no matter what land He was in, no matter who He was speaking to, He was consistent in His character and consistent in His witness. There was not a one that He came to that He did not offer Himself to. There was not a one that He came to that He didn't say that you can't be healed. He was consistent in who He was. And inconsistent in what, and consistent in what He did. And what... He said, He was the same then, and He is the same now, and He will be the same forever. But we can find strength, as we talked about in Sunday school, we can find strength in the grace of Jesus Christ. And that strength is what allows us to be consistent when we wake up in the morning and the body aches, and we say, Here we go again. When we wake up in the morning and that person that we love is gone. And here we go again. When we wake up in the morning and the bills are still packed, packed high up on the, on the table, and we say, here we go again. When we wake up in the morning and there's fighting and there's bickering, and you say, here we go again. When you go to the doctor and they say, it's not changed, and you say, here we go again. Just as consistent as the trials and the storms are, we as Christians should be that way as well. When the enemy sends something, he says, here we go again. Let's see if it works this time. When he tries to attack us and he says, here we go again, they keep on shaking it. They keep on getting back up. They keep on waking up and doing the work of the Lord. They keep on remaining the same. How do they do it? We'll try this this time. And we'll send this this time. But he is each and every time pushed aside, not because of my greatness, because of the strength of God. That makes me who I am. And if he is never changing, then I should be never changing. We should be consistent in our character. That every time somebody comes into our presence, they know what they're going to get. Sometimes might be, some days might be rougher than others. Yeah, that's going to happen. But they know that we're still going to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. That every time they talk to us, that they know our testimony will be the same. If nothing else, maybe it's even grown. Maybe there's something new that we've added to it of the goodness of God. And that behind it all, behind me, 
they see that it's the strength that God offers and gives that allows me to be consistent in the world that's ever changing in the trials that keep on coming in the storms that keep on bearing down upon my head I can remain the same because my life is not built upon something that moves but there is a firm foundation upon which I built my life the rock the Bible says cornerstone that the builders rejected I built my house upon the rock Jesus teaches the parable he says to paraphrase he says there's two men one day that went to to build a house one built his house upon the sands and he said the storms came the rains fell and the waves crashed upon the house and great was the fall of it but he says there was another that built his house upon the rock and the storms came and the rains fell and the waves crashed upon it yet it remained yet it remained and I pray that that is our testimony that we have built our life upon the rock of Jesus Christ that is the only way we will remain that is the only way we will have what we need to be consistent and fruitful throughout all of life it's in the morning when you wake up when you go to work when you open the mailbox when you get that phone call when you interact with that individual and you say, here we go again. Be confident in knowing that because of God, it doesn't have to change me. It doesn't have to move me. It doesn't have to shake me that I stand firm upon that rock. Here we go again. But every time I say, here we go again, it's an opportunity for God to say, yeah, here we go again. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to move again. I'm going to work. I'm going to bless. I'm going to answer. I'm going to change things for your betterment. I'm going to provide for you again. Here we go again. I'm thankful that He remains the same.